Exodus chapter 23, starting at verse 20. See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion, since my name is in him. If you listen carefully to what he says... And do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship the Lord your God, and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take away sickness from among you, and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. I will give you a full life span. I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive the Hivites, Canaanites and Hittites out of your way. But I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Mediterranean Sea and from the desert to the Euphrates River. I will give into your hands the people who live in the land and you will drive them out before you. Do not make a covenant with them or with their gods. Do not let them live in your land or they will cause you to sin against me because the worship of their gods will certainly be a snare to you. This is the word of the Lord. Yes, well, if you'd like to uh, be open to Exodus chapter 23, starting at verse 20, that is our um, text for today. Just a reminder to uh, our young people, if you want to do some colouring in, uh, there's some colouring in sheets up the back and some... um, boards you can rest on and things like that. Uh, You might have noticed that we've skipped a few chapters in Exodus to get to our passage today. Um, The things that we've skipped, Exodus 21 to 23, they're famous sections of Exodus which is called the Book of the Covenant. And uh, we've, so we've skipped that few chapters. They're just various laws that God gave to Israel at the time, uh, an elaboration of the Ten Commandments kind of thing. And uh, if you want to have a learn about that yourself, you can go and read those at home, okay? Um, and uh, this is also our last sermon on the Exodus series. Uh, so um, I've uh, really enjoyed it. I hope you have as well. And uh, We'll be doing some psalms in uh, January and see if we can get back to Exodus some other time. So if you can, yeah, just be open to Exodus chapter 23. Uh, When Mel and I were up in Brisbane a few weeks ago at the Creek Road Prezi Church, we learnt that uh, that church has a ministry that it's running which is called the Next Steps Ministry. 
Next Steps ministry. And uh, what the idea of it is, is that they're saying that everyone in the church is on a journey, okay? Uh, The point of it is that we all have a next step to take on our journey with God. Uh, It means that none of us has made it yet as far as the Christian life is concerned. I'm sure we all agree with that. But we all have next steps to take, growth areas to take, uh, where we can grow more and more as Christians in our walk with God. And and so the question they ask is, what are the next steps that that each of us need to take uh, in our path of discipleship with God? And I think that's a great idea and a great question to be asking. This morning, though, as we come to Exodus, uh, as we look at our passage this morning, we're thinking about next steps, uh, but not just our next steps just yet, but the next steps for Israel in their journey to the promised land. You see, we've seen a lot in the book of Exodus, haven't we? We've seen them go through some amazing things in Exodus. But what will the next step be for Israel here in the story? What's the next step for them now that they've escaped from Egypt? Let me just remind us of what's happened so far, what we've seen in this Exodus series. Do you remember at the start of the book, um, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, but God saved them out of Egypt with a, a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, he said. He saved them from Pharaoh, he saved them from Egypt. And he raised up their great leader, Moses, to lead them out of Egypt. And uh, do you remember that Israel had escaped from Egypt? They'd made it to Mount Sinai in in, uh, Arabia, where they were meant to worship God at the mountain. And at the mountain, God had descended in amazing power and fire to meet with them. And he gave them the Ten Commandments. He gave them these commandments to structure their life now that they had been saved. And also from Mount Sinai, as I just mentioned, he gave them a whole bunch of other laws in those chapters that we've skipped uh, as well. He's giving them his laws to live by. But again, we ask, what is the next step then for Israel? What are God's plans for them now that they've been saved from Egypt? What are they meant to do next? Well, that's what our passage today is all about. Exodus chapter 23 and starting at verse 20, if you'd like to have a look at it. The Lord says, See, I am sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. So did you notice there that the next step for Israel is to move and to go to the place that God has prepared? But what is that place that God is talking about? What is that place that he has prepared? Well, in our Old Testament context, it's talking about the promised land, isn't it? The promised land. Do you know what the Bible is talking about when it speaks of the promised land? Do you know this theme about the promised land that is spoken of in the Bible? Well, let me elaborate a bit for us. In about the year 1500 BC... So many years ago, many years before Christ even, in the year 1500 BC, God appeared to Abraham. He chose Abraham out of everyone else in the world and was choosing to bless Abraham and his descendants. God said to him in Genesis, he said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. 
I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. He says, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And then he said, and Abraham, did you know that all peoples on earth will be blessed through you? So those were amazing promises to Abraham. And there was one more promise that God gave to Abraham in Genesis 12. He says to him, Abraham, to your offspring, that is to your descendants, I will give this land. Because Abraham had travelled to the land of Canaan at the time, the land of Israel, the promised land. So a big part of God's promises to Abraham was that God would give his descendants the promised land. God was promising the promised land of Israel to Abraham. That was a big part of the promises to him, the promised land. So then think about what happened so far in Exodus. Was God going to come good on his promise? Is God going to come good on his promise to Abraham to give the promised land? Well, friends, of course, the answer is yes, isn't it? The answer is yes. Have a look at verse 20 with me again. He says, I'm sending my angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I have prepared. So, yes, God is going to bring them to the promised land. God is going to give them the land of Canaan. He's going to help Israel get to their next step. He's going to be faithful to his promise to give them the land. So let's read more of the passage then. Let's start again at verse 20. It says, I'm sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I've prepared. Pay attention to him, that is to the angel. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. Have a look at verse 22. God says, if you listen carefully to all that the angel says... And if you do all that I say, that is all that God says, then we see there that God says, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land, the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. So here God is promising to give Israel the land just as he promised to Abraham. God is coming good on his promises. And have a look at verse 27. He says, I will send my terror ahead of you and throw into confusion every nation you encounter. I will make all your enemies turn their backs and run. Verse 28. I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive those other nations out of your way. Now, what on earth is the hornet? Um, Has God got some killer bee that he's going to send out in front of Israel? Uh, That would be cool, uh, but uh, no, actually the word hornet in the original language can also just mean the word terror, as we saw back there in verse 27. So I think God is reiterating here that he's going to strike the nations of Canaan with terror and confusion. Have a look at verse 31. Verse 31, he says, I will establish your borders from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines. So the Sea of the Philistines was the Mediterranean Sea. And he says also the borders will go from the desert to the river, which is from the Arabian Desert in the south to the Euphrates River in the north. So he's just telling them the borders of Canaan, isn't he? The borders of Israel. 
See there, he says to them, I will hand over to you the people who live in the land and you will drive them out before you. So friends, it's very clear, isn't it? God is helping Israel get to the promised land. God is keeping his promises to Israel and to Abraham. He's going to send an angel out in front of them on their journey. He's going to guard them and lead them on their journey with the angel of the Lord. He's keeping faithful to his covenant regarding giving them the promised land. The conquest of Canaan will happen to get them into the land. Okay, so this is one of the main points of the passage. God is helping Israel get to the promised land, just as he promised, just as he said. He will help them. He will help them get there to where he promised to get them, the promised land. So then how much do we trust in the promises of God? Do we have faith in God that God will keep his promises to us? We're going to touch on that a bit later, but for now, uh, let's move on and look at more of the passage. See, I wonder with all of this, uh, are there any strings attached to the promises for Israel? Do they have to do anything? Are there any requirements required from them to ensure that God will carry out these promises? Well, actually, there kind of is. You see, God expects Israel's obedience. That's what we see here in this passage. Part of the deal is that they will be faithful to God as well. Have a look at verse 21. See there, Israel has to pay attention to the angel of the Lord. They have to listen to what he says. They are not to rebel against him. Verse 22, they are to listen carefully to what he says and do all that God says. Verse 24, they're not to bow down before the gods of the nations and they're not to worship other gods or follow their practices. Verse 24, they're to demolish the altars of the other gods and to break their sacred stones. Look at verse 25. They are to worship the Lord their God and God's blessings will flow upon them. And I have to be clear, those blessings there were specifically Old Testament blessings, not New Testament blessings, not for us, Old Testament blessings in verse 25. And look at verse 32 and 33. He says, do not let these other nations, that is the nations of Canaan, do not let those other nations live in your land. And why is that? Well, he says, because otherwise they will cause Israel to sin against God. And why is that? Well, see there, because the worship of the other gods, the worship of the false gods of the nations will be a snare to Israel. God says. And we know from the whole Old Testament that that was true, that that they were tempted to go off and worship the other gods, something that angers God. As we saw in the Ten Commandments, he is a jealous God, jealous for his people to worship him alone. Uh, We only need to look at the life of someone like King Solomon as an example of, of someone turning aside to worship other gods and how destructive that is for their life. So God is helping Israel get to the promised land, but he still expects their obedience, their obedience to the one true God. So how about us? We who have received God's promises, we who have benefited from the grace of the gospel, how about us? Are we always obedient to the one true God? Or like Israel, do we divert at times 
in our following of God? Do we backslide like Israel? Well, praise the Lord for his grace when we fail to be who he calls us to be. Praise him for his forgiveness because Jesus died on the cross in our place and for our sin. Praise the Lord for the cross of Jesus. Yes, friends, God is helping Israel get to the promised land, but he expects their obedience. That's our big idea for the passage today. God is helping Israel get to the promised land, but he expects their obedience. So that's the Old Testament, the Old Testament context. But how do we interpret this passage as Christian believers? How do we interpret it this side of the gospel that we live in? How do we interpret the passage from the perspective of the new covenant which we are in and not the old covenant which Israel was in? What does it mean to us now that we live in the new covenant with God through Jesus Christ? Well, friends, two things I want to say about that to put it into perspective for us. Firstly, what it means for us right now. What it means for us right now is that this passage has been fulfilled in Jesus Like all of the Old Testament, this passage too has been completely fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Christ is the fulfiller. Christ is the fulfiller of the Old Testament. So firstly, God's people, Israel, they are fulfilled in Jesus, the perfect Israelite. Jesus was the perfect servant of God. So the idea of God's people in this passage is fulfilled in Jesus. Secondly, the idea of God's place, the promised land, that is fulfilled in Jesus too because Jesus is the ultimate place where God's presence dwells. God's place, the promised land, was fulfilled in Christ. And thirdly, God's rule. His rule is fulfilled in Jesus as well because he is the Messiah. He is the promised king. So that's what it means for us firstly now that it's all been fulfilled in the coming of Jesus because Jesus is the fulfiller, because Jesus fulfills all the works and promises of God. That's what it means for us right now that Christ is the fulfiller. But secondly... Secondly, what does it mean for us in the future? In the future with God that we're looking forward to. You see, do these words in Exodus have anything to do with our future, with our future with God that we're looking forward to? Yes. Yes, the passage does point forward to our future with God. And let me tell you why. It's because just like Israel was looking forward to the promised land, in the same way we are looking forward to our promised land of heaven. Just like Israel was looking forward to the promised land, in the same way we are looking forward to our promised land of heaven. Just like Israel was looking forward to going to the promised land on earth, in the same way we too look forward to going to the promised land heaven. Friends, do you think God's going to come good on that promise for us? God's promise to take us to the promised land of heaven. Do you think he'll keep his promise to take us there? 
Do you think he'll keep his promise of heaven to us just like he kept his promise of the promised land to Israel? Well, friends, to answer this important question, just consider the unchanging faithfulness of God that we see in the Bible. Consider the unchanging God, the unchanging faithfulness of God. Consider the faithfulness of our God. Consider the never-ending, constant, strong faithfulness of God to his word, faithfulness of God to all of his promises. Friends, we can put all our eggs in the God basket, can't we? We can put our trust wholly in God. Why? Because God is faithful to his promises. Because God keeps his covenant with us. The covenant of grace. The covenant of grace. Our relationship with God, the covenant of grace, promises us that we will be taken to the promised land of heaven. Doesn't that encourage us? Doesn't that give you hope in this broken world? Doesn't God's faithfulness strengthen us as we walk life in this broken world? God is faithful, the Bible says. God is faithful to take us to the promised land. But just like the Israelites, God calls us to obedience as well. He says, be holy as I, the Lord your God, am holy. Let's be clear, we are not in a covenant of works. We are not called to be obedient so we can earn our way into heaven. No way. You'd never make it. You'd never be good enough. It's not a covenant of works, but rather as we live in the covenant of grace, where God's earned it all for us through the cross, as we live in the covenant of grace, he calls us to bear his image, to bear the image of Christ to a lost world. He calls us to obedience, but only in a covenant of grace, not a covenant of works. Our life now with Jesus is by grace. The salvation's already been won. The heaven's already been secured. God is faithful. We've already been saved and he will save us again into heaven. Not by a covenant of works, but by the covenant of grace. God is faithful to his promises. So let us then go out this week and live for his glory and trust him for the world to come, no matter what we come across. Will you go out in this life and trust him for the world to come? Let us pray. Yes, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for what we see in the, the story of Israel, Lord. We thank you for how it has prepared us to receive the gospel, to know your faithfulness and love and grace. Lord, help us to put our confidence in you, for you never change, you never lie, you always speak the truth. And the Lord Jesus has prepared a place for us And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.